Hey, 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 closet busters, come on and gather around. It's time once again to kick down those closet doors of life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, bold move expert and coming out coach, and I'm going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloseted. So come on, grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step in to living your truth as we explore more stories, tips, and tricks for living your life uncloseted. Now let's get to the show. Hey, Closet Busters and Bold Boom Makers, it is time once again for Life Uncloseted. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, and you know what? Good enough is good enough, and I'm tired of listening to you make excuses about why you can't do what you want to do, make your bold move, and be who you're meant to be. But you know what? The one thing you will never be able to do if you want to make a bold move or take a risk or do whatever you keep saying you're going to do, you will never be able to do it until you start to settle and say, good enough is good enough. And back as a repeat offender on my show, I'm bringing my friend Jess Pettit in. She is the queen of good enough now. And you know what? She's kind of like me. She's not going to let you stay stuck. She's going to say, come on, let's get moving. And she's not even going to listen to those wait and see excuses. She's ready to help you make your bold move, live your life on closet, and adopt the mantra of good enough now. So welcome to my podcast, my friend Jess, who is you can't see her, but she's literally covered in paint right now because good enough is good enough to even be on my podcast, even if you're in the midst of painting a bathroom. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, the things we do as entrepreneurs, right? Yeah, that's it's the funniest thing, right? Is that like two weeks ago, like big giant coliseum of people. Yeah. Week after that is like a team working session with 10 people. And now I'm covered in paint. Because uh, I'm I'm priming, actually. I haven't even started painting. Priming my bathroom. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. Welcome. It's always fun. Always something to do. So, um, but yeah, you know, I love, you know, we, we talked about this last time you were on. And I thought, you know what? Okay, so let's let's really tell why Jess is on here. She set this goal this year to, to like, do all these podcasts this year. Yeah, well, podcast a week. Podcast a week. How are you doing with it? Pretty good. Uh, pretty good. Um, yeah. I did a I did an interview with Tom Singer on cool things entrepreneurs do oh, cool. of uh, mistakes I think podcasters make that make yeah. it hard on guests. Yeah. And then Tom, as a podcaster, he did the top five things that guests do that make it hard on podcasters. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's been really fun. So I've been on one every single week. In 2018, and I'm scheduled out through August. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, I will put your name out to a few of my buddies because I think you'd be great on some of the podcasts I know about too. But um, great. If you had not set this goal, wouldn't it have been just as easy to say, "Ah, it's good enough"? I've been on podcasts in the past, but this goal, there was something in it for you. So, what was it all about? Well, it's interesting is that like the concept or at least my concept of good enough is to try, um, to try to try. So when I've pivoted from my original company, company name and logo and branding was I am social justice and I have pivoted to a broader message. That's also a little bit more of a subliminal diversity training of good enough now and What I realized was, is that I wasn't exactly sure what my elevator pitch was or exactly positive what my favorite tagline was. Mm -hmm. And um, so I wasn't telling anybody about my new initiatives. 
Right. And so I kind of dared myself to get on podcasts because I think excuses, um, lack of innovation, lack of creativity, feeling disconnected are really relevant in all different kinds of audiences. And I thought a podcast is a great way for me to practice talking about the application of what I wrote my book about, even though I don't have it like perfectly memorized. So right. doing podcasts literally is it's good enough. Get out there and talk about it. Exactly. And, and so for everybody listening, Jess and I, I think it was in the last couple of hours, I'm like, okay, girl, what do you want to talk about? And she goes, I don't know, we'll just do what we do. And I think that's the beauty of letting go and being in these spaces. Now, of course, neither one of us would walk on a stage that we're getting paid $3,500 to $7,000 to do a speech and go, oh, well, good enough now. But in a way, that's kind of where we start as speakers. It's like, okay, what's good enough now to, as a concept? And then we start doing the work of like, okay, now how do I take that good enough concept, start to build it, take it forward. But this basis to me of good enough now is how we start to take action. Because if yeah. you keep waiting, you'll never take action. You'll never do anything. Yeah. My uh, kind of mantra is do the best you can with what you got some of the time. Yep. yep. And so every conversation I have, every time I'm trying to intervene, meet a new person, sell a book, prime my bathroom, whatever. I am not an expert in every single one of those settings. And yet, if I do the best I can with what I got some of the time, then uh, progress can be made. Or at least you're leaning forward to, to begin the momentum. Well, and that thing of some of the time, it's like most of the time in our daily lives, that's all we're doing anyway. Mm -hmm. Sure, we've done things, we've approached things, we try to do, I was actually having this conversation with someone else this morning. It's like, if we don't at least realize most of our life, we're kind of doing things in the moment. We may have done stuff before, but even this podcast, I've done almost 300 of these podcasts. So each one, yes, there's a familiarity to it. But in this moment, I don't know what you're going to say. I don't know what I'm going to say. So I could get completely froze up and get wigged out and, and pull the last of my hair out and go, oh my God, you know, what if this isn't perfect? But I don't give a damn about perfect. Well, and that's actually what I love about your message and your podcast with your audience is that if you are being vulnerable and authentic, you don't have to be 100% prepared. You and I are just showing up as people and we're just having a conversation and that actually will make a better connection than some contrite thing that we would have planned or rehearsed. Right, right. And I think if people can step into that space, and I know it's scary, it's vulnerable, there's uncertainty, there's like, oh my God, I've never done this, but anything that we do is new. Anything we do. I mean, every day that we wake up is new. How we get out of bed in the morning is new. We don't know when we roll out of bed, if we decide to step out of the bed, if we're going to step solid or we're going to twist our ankle or whatever. But God, if we worried about all that, then we would never get out of bed. But then if we stayed in bed, we would never get out of bed because, okay, well, okay, if I stay in bed, I'm safe, but maybe not. Maybe the roof's going to fall in or maybe the house is going to collapse or, you know, here in lovely California where we both live, maybe there'll be an earthquake or there may be mm -hmm. something else. So this thing about, oh, it's got to be perfect and all this stuff, it's all bullshit. It's all what, bullshit. It reminds me of, <coughs> excuse me, when I read Daring Greatly by Brene Brown, which I'm yeah. sure gets cited all the time, but um, one of the things that I really liked about it is as kind of a control freak is I've had a lot of things happen that were not desirable. I wish they w would, didn't happen the first time. I certainly don't want them to happen a second time. 
And my kind of knee-jerk defense mechanism for that was to try to really clamp down and super control everything. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is, is no matter how much control or how scheduled I am, those things still found room to occur. And if you're clamped down and trying to do all of that, then what also happens is like surprises and joy and accidents are less likely to happen because you're worried about clamping down with my partner. um, He always says that I kind of take the adventure out of his life. Mm. So like he's broken down on the side of the road with a flat tire and I'm out of town speaking I will call AAA, order a tow truck, get everything fixed, call into a work, tell him he's going to be late, and I'll handle it. And he's having a great time because that's life throwing a curveball. Right. So we, we've developed this phrase of that I'm AAAing hmm. the situation. And maybe instead of fixing it, you can just actually enjoy it. Hmm. It's kind of like the safe words, it sounds like. It's, like. it's like your own little version of, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey, you're AAAing, and that's a beautiful way to communicate to your partner, hey, you're kind of in my stuff that you don't need to be. Back off. Yeah, back off, and, and we'll be nice about that. But, you know, it's interesting, Jess, and I, I know I haven't shared this with you unless you happen to see it on Facebook. Um, I've been trying to come up with a company name something that like relates to, you know, here's what I do. I've had them when I was a consultant, all this sort of stuff. And the only reason I want a freaking company name is because I get tired of filling out <laughs> things like even national speakers association, going to the conference, what's the company name. You got that field to fill out. Sometimes I just put nothing like literally write the word nothing, you know, just to be annoying, but I've really wanted something. So I was out <laughs> wine tasting surprise, surprise. And saw this bottle of wine. I talked about this a little bit ago on the podcast um, and it was called the perfect left. I thought, Oh, that's an interesting name for a winery. Perfect left. And in that moment I thought, actually that's an interesting twist I could put on a company name. Perfect detour. Because everything I stand for is about taking the perfect detour and standing in it, whether it's your bold move, whether it's coming out of the closet, whether it's leaving a job that you know pays the bills and you're going to go out and be the entrepreneur Sometimes we have to take and see things as the perfect detour in order to get to where we're going, which actually kind of nicely holds hand with your brand of good enough now. Yeah, absolutely. Together, really cool. So what are some of the stuff you've learned um, about sucking it up and saying, okay, good enough is good enough. I'm moving forward. I mean, I think that what, what the biggest lesson is, is that even though I wrote the book on it, literally, literally. Um, I'm still not very good at it. I still want everything to be perfect. I still want everything to be timely or early or um, a little extra special touch. Um, And I can put a lot of stress on myself to make those things happen. Um, Even when I'm sending out good enough now books to people, I want the, they have their cute little mailing labels. I have the cute little envelopes like da, 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 da. Um, so I don't, I don't take my own medicine that I'm telling everyone else about consistently. That's probably the most ironic lesson. Um, the other thing is, is that it seems to be like a breath of fresh air for folks Mm. that I think that there's so much competition to be just exceptional at everything and to lean into the positive stereotypes that someone's supposed to be living or, Um, When we talk about professional speakers, like I talk to a lot of folks that may be new or may just be new to the National Speakers Association, 
and they watch a couple of videos and feel like, you know, for women, they have to have a French twist and wear a single colored dress. They have to be a size six or smaller. They have to talk about these things and they have to wear spike heels and like, no, you don't. And so when they meet me either visually or when they get my message, they're like, oh, what actually makes me unique? What's actually marketable? And Rick, I'd say the same thing about you. What's actually marketable about your business is that it's all the pieces that make it your business and not anybody else's. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I show up the way I do. You yeah, know? exactly. I show up, you know, even, at, you know, and you've seen me in national speakers. I show up in jeans. I show up in a long sleeve shirt most of the times. I'm pretty cash. I, even at the awards nights, I'm not super dressed out. I'm like, this is who I am. This is how I show up. And the thing that I know, it's, it's good enough now for me and my brand. This is how I'm always going to show up because I can't show up the other way. When I do that, I'm not being me and I will not be good as a speaker. I will not be good as a workshop facilitator. I know. And it- we spend all this money developing a brand and yep. you are your best brand, whether you run a business or not. Yep. And if you don't think that you are valid or worthy or important enough to share, then you're going to try and create a brand that's not you when you are actually the point of distinction you have from anybody else in your topic area or not. Right. But I love that you just brought this up that you don't even have to have a business. You are your brand. In whether Absolutely. You- how you show up in your personal life, how you show up in your relationships, how you show up in your friendships. I think people don't realize we are all brands. We are all brand you, no matter how that looks and how we show up each and every fucking day is who we are. And the Mm -hmm. more we try to not be who we are, the more we're going to fail, the more the relationships will fall apart, the more we won't be happy in our jobs, all this sort of stuff. In fact, I'm working on a proposal right now for next fall for a college where they want me to come in and do a career day. And they have this segment they're calling beyond the resume. I'm not going to talk about resumes at all. I'm going to talk about brand you. Who is that person you want to be out in the work world? What is the kind of life you want to develop? What is it you want to create that represents you the best? Because this to me is one of the things that happens in a lot of places, but especially in academia, as you start to get ready to go leap into the world you become everybody's version of what you are on the resume and not any version of who you really are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I got a quick question for you around. I know you've been working on a new stand-up comedy thing <laughs> <laughs> and how much is the good enough now playing in that? Um, well, that's funny, I guess. So I used to be a stand-up and did it every night for about three and a half years when I was living in New York and um, it's been about 15 years. And again, Tom Singer, um, he's getting lots of shout outs today. He's in my mastermind group. And one of the things I love about Tom, I mean, he's the brother I wish I had. He's everything that I was probably supposed to marry when I was being raised in Texas. Um, I turned out a little different. Anyway, but he, he's the ideal, I think. And When he was in New York at a gig, another NSA colleague took him to an open mic night, but said, you know, I'll take you, but you got to do a set. Mm. And cojones, Tom Singer did a set. First time in New York, sight unseen, got up and did a five minute set. And I was just so impressed with like, for lack of better words, like, fuck it. What does he have to lose? Right? Like, he's never going to see these people again. Why not? And it was so fascinating because I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it did that. <laughs> and I think it, 
because it's been so long, I've like created this kind of gravitas mm-hmm. around doing it. And so I have a rule in my life that when something scares the crap out of me, I have six months to do it. Mm. So like the first time I heard, have you heard about this? this is very California, the floating in salt water in the dark. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Some no. kind of oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, basically like Barbara, yes. You get naked, you get in a like warm saline pizza oven and you float in the dark for an hour. Yeah. When I first heard about that, I got six months. I got to do it. I did it. So then there's Tom doing open mic night. And I'm like, well, I'll be in Austin soon because I did the NSA chapter there. And I was like, find us an open mic night. Mm. So I, it was very interesting because doing stand up is very different than a keynote. And um, I came up with a set and did two minutes at some amateur open mic night. And it was amazing to be like nervous and excited and um, I put it on Facebook, and so friends I hadn't seen in a long time came, and right. it was great. And um, what an important, what an important reminder, right? Is that fuck it, like and just go it for it. and just go for it, you know? And we get so hung up on it's got to be this or it's got to be that. And even last night, so I'll share this with you. Um, I went, I joined a speaking group here in my new hometown of San Luis Obispo and been trying to get there, trying to get there. Finally, last night, my schedule was going on. Okay, I'm going. It's called the speaking lab. And there was about 10 people. And most of the people, I was like the most experienced speaker other than the leader in the room. And so, you know, there's this two minute thing. We might be able to do at NSA this, this year at the conference. So I thought, well, you know, I'm going to just go through my two minute thing that I submitted to the conference. Nice. What I found was it was so freeing to me to go, I'm doing it for these people. None of them know who I am. I'm going to take some liberties with the two minutes that I had that I didn't do when I submitted the video. And it felt so good. Nice. Because I'm like, oh, wait, damn, I wish I had this one on video now. But that's okay because it's when we start to let loose and cut loose and say, screw it. And go, you know, even when I recorded the one I sent to NSA, I'm like, you know what? I'm sitting in my office in a chair on the spur of the moment. I just recorded it. I thought, you know, I should redo that. I should. I'm like, no, it is, in your words, actually rung through my head. It's good enough. Let's just go. Get it out of my hair because if I think about this too much, I will go and I will perfect it. And then I might come off too stiff. But what I loved about what I did submit was it was Rick. It was raw. It was real. And if it doesn't yep. happen, hey, it's okay but I did what I felt in the moment to do. Absolutely. When they did proposals this year, they were encouraging little videos. Yep. And so, um, I mean, you and I are going to somehow be in two places at once, sort of. Yes, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're perfecting the clone experience right now. <laughs> yeah, we still got to figure out that. We're growing thing. eggs of ourselves that will be birthed in the next couple of months somehow. It'll be fine. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, whatever. Anyway. Yeah, well, that's a perfect example. It's, it's good enough now. We know we have to figure this out, but we'll right. get through something. We'll figure it out. So anyway, so when I submitted it originally, um, I had just done a keynote to like six, 7,000 people in New Orleans. I was up way too late that night because I was all excited about the keynote. I had an early flight home and is because my husband had a really important meeting that day. And so I left New Orleans at like 3.30 in the morning to get to the airport to get home in time to be there for dinner when he was done with his meeting. And so the program that you and I are working on for your listeners is about not kids, but all the other relationships and how we maintain them while we are out on the road. 
a video of me with like an hour and a half of sleep talking really quietly in a completely empty New Orleans airport because that's what you do to maintain your relationships. I needed to get home. I got home. Um, anyway, but I, I don't think I was talking to another speaker about this recently that she is like the green screen and does all these like very professional videos. And I just told her, I said, you know, your message is about authenticity and speaking your truth mm-hmm. and you're rehearsing how to speak your truth. Right. Like, have you ever thought about just talking to a camera? Right. <laughs> She's like, well, I don't know if people want to see me without my eyelashes on. You know what? <laughs> I wish I wish the listeners could see both of us right now because <laughs> the video would be hilarious. Jess is sitting here with like paint on her hair and I'm sitting in the wine closet as I always do when I record. You can hardly see me on the screen. My little man boobs are kind of hanging down. I've got a shitty t-shirt on right now. That's because we're just doing what we do. I know. I would like to point out though, I look very lesbian in my... Yes, you my do. One oh, oh, she's got the whole overall one the piece. pocket. Yes. Everything. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I think you should take a picture. You I will. So before we before we quit, I will do a screen capture of you modeling to put on the show page for this. Dun, dun, dun. Uh-huh. So let's kind of I think do- I have paint on every surface of my body except somehow not on my glasses. Well okay. <laughs> That's interesting. You you're quite good at that somehow. I know. Maybe they're, maybe it's you, you and my husband would do well together. He is like the messiest painter in the world. <laughs> I just texted Lauren and I said, um, in a small space, it is very apparent that I am a messy painter. And he said, nothing a wet rag can't fix. Yeah, and I was like, does exactly. that apply to everything in our marriage? Uh, but I want to go kind of back to that relationship thing, because I think that's one of the areas we can either let things be messy in the wrong way or they can be messy in a good way. And sometimes when we're not messy in a good way, we think we got to go fix it. Got to get it right. Got to get it good enough. I know as you and I've been working on this thing with the other speakers that we're going to do a panel on at this at NSA about, I keep coming back to why don't we just enjoy the mess when it happens instead of, Oh, let's go fix something. You know, uh-huh. if you hadn't made it home that day from new Orleans on time for dinner, it kind of would have been a messy thing. It would not have been ideal. It would have been fine. It worked out, but I don't want to be fine. I mean, I know we're talking about good enough, but I don't want to be a good enough partner sometimes. So I think that's the point I'm trying to get to is you got to kick it into gear and do what you got to do here. You got to find the way to do it. And then there are pieces of our relationships. We got to go, okay, it's good enough now. (laughs) Let's not, why are we fucking around with this when there's bigger things in our relationship Mm -hmm. we should be working on? Yeah. but, But this is the thing. This is the going back to the lessons, right? Is that there are people who will spend six weeks shifting between what font a sentence yes. on their website should be in. <laughs> right? Yes. So half the time I say, get over, it's fine. Go, do it. Go. Right? Get it done. And when it's an emergency, you know, you just change your plane ticket and go home. Yeah. You don't quite, what about the miles? I mean, this could be, like, you don't do that. You just do it, right? Right. And I think that that's really the key is is that when we're talking about our own personal brand, Mm -hmm. we need to treat it with the same urgency that we do when our close relationships need us because we are in close relationship with ourselves. 
Absolutely. Do it. One, of the, one of the things that I'm going to share without like completely revealing everything was I actually just went through this with my personal brand. I was scheduled to speak in an event and let's just say it didn't end up being quite what it was presented to be. And as it was getting closer, I'm like, mm, no, I'm not going to do this, but it's not in my integrity to walk away. But then when I realized it was so not in what was presented, I thought, you know what? I can't have my brand tarnished by doing this. Mm -hmm. And it was not in alignment with my own personal ways of showing up for my business because it was going to end up costing me a ton of money to go do something that really took a whole weekend out of my life that wasn't going to have the impact I wanted to have. There were so many things that, you know, the red pink flags were going off all over the place. And I could have him hot around, but I said, okay, Rick, you've got enough evidence. It's good enough now to make this decision. Yay or nay, are you going? And I said, no, I'm not. And even though it was my own integrity that I had to stand up against to do that one, I knew it was in my better integrity to do what I needed to do for myself in that moment. And to say, I am not going to do this gig. There was no money involved, so that kind of helped too. But I mean, money pay-wise, but... It was one of those things where our personal brand of who we are, if we don't own that and say, this is in my best interest for me to feel good about myself and what I'm here to do on the earth, then we start living in these boxes and we don't or do it. Inauthentically, and then you can't serve anybody. No. And I knew if I got there, I know myself because I can be a bitch on wheels when I, a lot of times. I could have been kind of bitchy the time I would have been there. And I thought that's not going to serve me. It's not going to serve the organization. It's better. I'd rather do this than not do that. And the lesson I learned for myself, many of a hundred in this particular instance was if you're going to go do this, then you're going to put the bitchy person aside and you're going to show up and you're going to be fully in, you're going to be fully supportive. If you can't do that, then that's yet another reason for you not to go. Yep. That was a tough conversation for me to have with my inner self, mm -hmm. but it's something I know I need to work on on a regular basis. And because I did that, I feel so much better because I'm now starting to go, okay, you did it once more than once now, but that one was kind of a biggie. And it was to your point of, it was good enough for me to back out of it. It was yeah. good enough for me to be honest with myself and be authentic to myself to say, this isn't a good fit. Which I think I think that when we start doing so, I know somebody's listening is going to be like, "Wait, y'all are confusing me." But I think that when you let go of the things that are holding you back, you are then able 